You're listening to To Trope or Not to Trope. We're your hosts, Kelly, Kristen, and Ray. Hello. Today we are talking about heel face and face heel turns, which are also known as redemption arcs and corruption arcs. This trope was actually requested by a listener, so shout out to Philip. You're awesome. Thank you so much for your email. Woo! (laughs) Fun fact, the terminology of face and heel actually come from professional wrestling, in which good and evil wrestlers change sides. Uh, We are, of course, using the terms today to talk about fictional characters. Heel face turns are when a bad character switches to the good side, and face heel turns are when a good character switches to the bad side. But for the sake of clarity, and so I don't constantly screw up these terms, which I would do, we will mostly be using the terms redemption arc and corruption arc. So, first question. If you guys had to pick, which do you prefer to see in fiction, redemption arcs or corruption arcs? Oh my goodness, I can't resist a good redemption arc. (laughs) I don't think we can make it through this episode without mentioning Zuko from Avatar The Last Airbender. <laughs> so go. I'm just going like, to I'm just going to put it Get right here. Yep. Full redemption arc done right about phase from being evil antagonist to good guy in a believable way. I buy it. It's excellent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, redemption arcs all the way. Um and yes, seconded uh for me Zuko is amazing and that redemption arc was stellar. <laughs> Uh, yeah like i think one of the big reasons why i usually not always but usually prefer redemption arcs and that i think it's because i love the moment where the villainous or like anti-hero type character feels like they're finally part of a group like they have friends (laughs) and so whenever (laughs) Yes, the power of friendship, exactly. So I love that moment where they turn to face their friends and their friends welcome them because I feel like, and I'm sure we'll talk about this later, but every good redemption arc that feels true, at least for me, is when other characters respond to it in a way that feels believably believable. Mm -hmm. And um, I think... It's because of that moment where they come together and it feels right. And it feels like, oh, you know, this character is returning home. This character is amongst like friends or like found family. So, yeah, redemption arcs. Mm-hmm. That's fair. You guys know how much I love happy endings. So like mm-hmm. redemption arcs all the way. I think corruption arcs can be cool, though. Like, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. The Star- OK, the Star Wars prequels leave much to be desired. <laughs> that's an understatement but uh-huh. i can i can believe that anakin would go to the dark side like yeah. that makes sense to me so like i don't know like part of this makes me wonder if part of the reason we prefer redemption arcs is because there aren't as many good corruption arcs maybe well i mean i think that's probably true but I feel like we're seeing a lot more of these corruption arcs that I don't know. That's like I can good. think of a yeah, like I can <laughs> think of a few. Like Breaking Bad is really good for a corruption <laughs> arc, and like the what I haven't really. Oh gosh, I'm sorry, Internet, but I haven't actually seen The Godfather, but <laughs> I know the plot enough to feel like that might be a corruption arc. And then yeah. um X-Men First Class, Magneto, or just Magneto mm-hmm. the character in general. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. like I'm sure there are a few others, but I just remember um when they're good, it's usually <laughs> because they take time in like corrupting mm-hmm. that character. It's a yeah. And that's when I feel like it's a masterpiece is when there's like time and effort put into it. <laughs> of most anything Mm. maybe we're also less likely to think about it as corruption if we're on that character's side like because we agree we you might like basically agree with them like oh they should be doing that and like you might know Mm. you might know like by definition that's like yeah that's corruption they're doing bad things this is something that they shouldn't be doing but we're (laughs) sitting here and we know why they're doing it and like so yeah like it's interesting you say that too because i feel like whenever i see a corruption arc like that like going back to breaking bad or better call Saul, Mm -hmm. like you start out with a character who 
you know, sometimes is, you know, very much an underdog or mm-hmm. at times even like you feel sorry for them. And then they start having like these little wins that build and build and build. And you're like, yeah, you go. Like, <laughs> okay, maybe you shouldn't have like kicked that guy's guy in the face or like shot that man, <laughs> but you know, whatever, you're still okay until you get to the part where they start doing very heinous mm-hmm. crap to other characters. Okay. And mm-hmm. you're like, there's like a shift where you're just seeing where this goes and you're like, wow, this character's awful, but... <laughs> Uh, what happened to you? Right. Uh-huh. And you're still like, okay, I guess I have to, like, it's, mm-hmm. it's more of like watching a train wreck uh-huh. kind of situation where you're like, well, this character started from nothing, so to speak. And then we saw, you know, their high points, we saw their successes, and then now they're doing some pretty awful things and... Now you just kind of want them to lose, which is like a roller coaster ride. Like it's a very uh-huh. emotional roller coaster that is fascinating. Mm. Yeah, I feel like when we understand a character, we might be more like disappointed in them rather than hating yeah. them. Yeah. 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 I think that's one of my main problems with corruption arcs is like. <laughs> the ending is always going to be disappointing because you have like, you either care about the character in which case you don't really want them to fail, but you also don't want them to succeed because they're doing bad things or like you just really hate Mm. the character. And then it's just like an icky story and you just want it to be over. You want like the full roller coaster of like corruption and then redemption again. Yeah. Exactly. Well, what do you call? Yeah, what do you call those stories where it's like, all right, they're a good Star Wars. (laughs) Star Wars. Yeah, because that's Darth Vader, right? Because it's like, Uh all right, he's a decent character. No, this is his fall, and he's risen like slightly. He's trying to make up, Mm -hmm. you know, redeem himself. (laughs) Same thing with, well, kind of, sort of, but sort of happens in Breaking Bad. I I don't want to spoil anything, but. There is like that slight little like I don't know if you'd quite call it a redemption, but there's like a glimmer of hope that mm. there's something good there. <laughs> I mean, I feel like if you have a full corruption arc and then a full redemption arc, that's literally just a character arc. Like <laughs> it doesn't really have a name, yeah. it's just what characters are supposed to do. Yeah. Kind of. I suppose it's a type of character arc. I don't think I mean, like just because a character goes through an arc doesn't mean that that's the type of arc they go through. Taking it very loosely, though, like yeah. pretty much every character is going to have that dark moment of the soul. Yeah. And so, like, while it's not technically yeah. like corruption necessarily, <laughs> they're going to be in a bad place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, I suppose that would make it a more satisfying, complete arc because we do want to, like, that feels like that explores like the full range of but, this character's capabilities say yeah maybe that's it but i wouldn't say like at least speaking on breaking bad i wouldn't say that he's redeemed like he mm-hmm. does very awful crap and he still feels proud for all of the awful <laughs> things he's done but mm-hmm. there's like and again we'll probably talk about this um more a little bit later but there's a character that's important to him that Mm-mm. he like mm. takes care of um like in a good way like um mm-hmm. still <laughs> loves to some extent um but uh, that i don't know if you necessarily call that like a positive arc he's still awful mm-hmm. um but i don't know that's interesting to think about yeah going back to your original point ray like i think there definitely are more redemption arcs than there are corruption arcs mm-hmm. and i think that's yeah. in part because it's just easier to do and mm-hmm. so i want to talk a little bit about like why do we think it's easier to pull off a redemption arc than a corruption arc mm. i think it's because good tends to be closer to the point of view that we agree with and we mm-hmm. like seeing mm-hmm. characters evolve and become more like 
what we agree with. If that makes yeah. sense. Like, I see how this gets more complicated when the idea of good isn't clear, though. Like, we mentioned Magneto, and there are a lot of people that, like, basically kind of agree with Magneto, or at least are sympathetic to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so they're less likely to view him and what he's doing as bad. So, like, and that's part of the problem is, like, to even agree on whether an arc is redemptive or corrupting, you have to agree on whether their new direction is good or bad. Yeah. That is true. That's how you end up with a lot of morally gray characters. Mm-hmm. hmm I also... Okay, so I also think that when you look at your typical, like, story, I guess, like, more positive arc type of story, which I feel like I consume more of, I have, I read or watch or consume more happy endings rather than, I guess, or positive character arcs rather than, like, the negative character arcs, probably mm-hmm. because of what Ray just said, but <laughs> um, but also because I'm so used to that positive arc, I think that when you have a redemption arc where you have a character that's at their lowest or in a really bad place or doing horrible things, mm-hmm. and then you have them completely transform and have other people acknowledge that too, I guess, um, we it's kind of your typical character arc like Mm -hmm. we it's a pattern it's like oh of course i know the story but it's even more dramatic than -hmm. just your typical character arc so maybe there's more feeling about it like you get a burst of oh yay this person did it they're you know they completed their well you wouldn't Mm -hmm. be thinking this but (laughs) but like they completed their arc and it feels so much better because they they fell so far yeah yeah redemption arcs tend to feel more complete and satisfying than corruption arcs at the end Mm -hmm. which is i think a big part of how they're easier to pull off mostly because like we expect things to turn out kind of okay i also feel like if a character especially when we're talking about a side character that has a corruption arc i sometimes feel betrayed like, I'm like, I thought I knew you. I thought, you know, mm, in the beginning you yeah. were kissing babies and, mm-hmm. you know, giving money to the poor. But now you're, you know, blowing up towns. Um, maybe not that dramatically, but <laughs> still it's like, how dare you, you know, betray the main character? Or how dare, if it yeah. is the main character, wow, I like, I thought I knew you. And now mm-hmm. you're doing this crap. I mean, in that vein, like from a sales standpoint, you want your characters to be likable because if your characters are likable, people will buy more books and watch more seasons. Mm -hmm. And so if you redeem your bad characters, then all of a sudden they're a lot more likable and they can stick around for longer and give you more story to work with. Also end up with problems where it's like, well, where is the conflict going to come from? Because we have all of these good people now that are all getting along with each other. So you have to do weird things where you turn them against each other or you introduce yet another powerful bad guy. (laughs) You can redeem him too. (laughs) Kristen just wants a happy ending. (laughs) I do. So many. All the happy endings. Mm -mm. Okay, so... As we've been talking about, some redemption arcs and corruption arcs are like a lot more believable than others. So what makes an arc like this believable? Or I guess what specifically makes it unbelievable? I feel like people need to understand that I have to understand what the character is wanting. Mm -hmm. And then if they are, let's say on a corruption arc or redemption arc, it doesn't matter either way. It's the same thing. They're usually when we're talking about these arcs and their shift, we're talking about, they're usually thinking like, Oh, this is the right thing for me to do right now. And for for myself or for like my worldview. And so it's like a shift in perspective. So if I don't understand the character well enough, or Mm -hmm. let's say I do feel like I understand the character and then through poor writing um, the character suddenly becomes good or suddenly becomes <laughs> bad. Uh-huh. I 
you know, I need to understand where that shift took place, whether, I mean, and it's going to be over time where things will come up that Mm. shifts that character's point of view or or shifts that that character's worldview and whenever it's done wrong it's i i get frustrated because i'm like you know i was lied to i thought i knew Uh again like i thought i knew you (laughs) yeah seeing a character change like in a snap decision is always jarring. Like, even if you're given like some kind of traumatic event that would ostensibly change a person, like when you read that in a book, it is going to take a lot for me to just roll with that. Uh Yeah. And it's, and I feel like a lot of times it just happens for the plot and you can just very clearly see that the author is just doing it for the plot. Yeah. I, I, I don't think I'll ever get over mist and fury and tamlin's quote-unquote corruption arc oh, oh really gosh. oh i get you i see i see yeah. i believe that you could make that one work but it wasn't given like it feels a little too contrived still like, it, yeah it comes out of the blue and like a lot of it happens off screen and then you're just like hold up what uh-huh. what happened <laughs> i was thinking once again of star wars where it's like i even believe that Anakin would go to the dark side but in the scene where he actually does it like where he actually like I don't know what like swears loyalty to Palpatine or becomes a Sith or whatever like where it actually happens I'm like still a little like really you're gonna straight (laughs) up side with that guy like (laughs) Uh uh-huh yeah I have a very hard time believing that characters can like fundamentally change and so if they're not at least like a little evil from the beginning in a corruption arc or a little mm-hmm. good from the beginning in a redemption arc, then I'm just yeah. not going to believe the full arc. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, you always need for any arc, you need the seeds of that arc in there yes. from the beginning. So with this one in particular... I think the good and evil swing usually is around, like, some other motivation that they have. So you Mm -hmm. need to figure out what motivation it is that's driving that. What's the thing that they care about that they're trying to get? Are they going bad because they're trying to get it? Are they going bad because, like, they can't get the thing that they want? Like, are they, like, did they become a good guy because they realized that, like, the thing... Like, okay, with, like, Zuko, he cares about his honor, right? It's there from, like, the beginning or very near the beginning. We know he's, like, trying to regain his honor. He's going on about it. He thinks that to be honorable, he needs to (laughs) capture the Avatar. When he finds out that basically that's not the honorable thing to do and that, that, like, doesn't fit with, like, who he wants to be, like, that's when you start to see, like okay, he starts to turn against, like, the Fire Nation and things like that, but he's still in pursuit of being an honorable person. Mm-hmm. Mm, so yeah. that makes sense there. We've been talking, I've been talking about Star Wars, and it's like, okay, Anakin wants to be a Jedi and all those things. He's cool with that, but he also wants to, like, protect his mom and like marry Padme and the Jedi are like you can't do that you're not allowed to be attached to other people basically and so I believe that he would get mad and become Sith because supposedly the Sith are allowed to do those things although they don't seem to actually be doing very much of that at least in the movies there's probably more in the books I don't know mm-hmm. so yeah. they're, they're on about something else basically Or they have, like, some kind of motivation. What's their key motivation, and how does that drive them to be, like, good or bad? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, I feel like from the beginning, they always set up, like, lines a character won't cross, basically. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so that tends to help as you're going forward, because, of course, they're going to come up against those lines, and then you Uh find out whether they're going to cross them or not. Uh Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah, then agreed. Yeah, there has to be like little seeds, but not <laughs> outright. Uh-huh. You know? If even if you have like a 
perfect character that's going to go bad. Like they're going to be a little bit selfish in the beginning or like Mm -hmm. they're going to be a little bit self-centered, just like something along those lines or vice versa. Like we were talking about Zuko's honor. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. There's just one or two qualities that you're like, oh, this could go either way, Mm -hmm. which is also good because those qualities make a character founded, even if they don't have a redemption or corruption arc. Like, yeah no one is just like 100% good or 100% bad and it cycles back into also how like a strength is a weakness or can be a strength like those things tend to like flip on each other it depends on what the circumstance is yeah yeah I feel like that's done well in arcane um which this is kind of a spoiler but there's a character who um she starts out, her name is Powder, mm-hmm. and eventually her corruption arc is she becomes the character, like, Jinx. Like, she changes mm-hmm. her name, and they do it well because they plant those seeds in the very beginning. They kind of, it's not that she's, <laughs> Jinx becomes, like, a character that is sort of like a Harley Quinn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm character and like in the beginning she's just like this little girl and she's a little sister to you know um this kind of like really strong very powerful well pretty strong character in her eyes and so she like looks up to her and everything Mm -hmm. but she has a lot of moments of weakness where she doesn't feel good enough where she feels alone where she feels Mm -hmm. like I don't know that she's kind of a a jinx. Everything she tries to do, you know, it messes up. And so she kind of takes that weakness. Something happens. I don't want to spoil too much. But um, (laughs) something happens. And there's a moment where she has like a traumatic, uh, I guess, event. She thinks, and this is kind of like, she has this lie that she accepts and becomes Mm. this character that does awful things. And so she changes her name. and feels like she's a different character even though she's the same she's the same character although like slightly like again like a different perspective she sees the world's different world differently Mm -hmm. she feels like she's part of something now but she's kind of part of like Mm -hmm. the wrong group and um so yeah as long as there are little seeds it doesn't need to be you know Mm -hmm. in lights but Mm -hmm. yes yeah yeah you mentioned that she feels part of the group and peer pressure is a huge one for this trope, both mm-hmm. corruption and redemption that <laughs> makes it believable to me. Mm-hmm. Cause like, mm-hmm. if you're just surrounded by a bunch of people who are like, you need to change, I would probably be like, yeah, okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> Ooh. And it's like much deeper than that. Cause it's more of like, she, again, I don't want to spoil too much, but mm-hmm. like, she thinks she, she's lost her family. And so she like gloms mm-hmm. onto the nearest family and she's like, I accept you. And, um, mm-hmm. I accept like, it's more of a, I accept you for who you are when your family didn't kind of thing. And mm-hmm. yeah, that, that gets to be troubling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a big thing for believability with these arcs is that circumstance, like what's going on around them? What do they believe? And I have found personally, even if it like, even if a writer sets up a character that would probably like turn on some kind of small circumstance, if the circumstance isn't big enough to me as a reader mm-hmm. then I'm not really gonna believe it mm-hmm. like I might yeah. like reluctantly accept it but I'm not gonna be all in <laughs> so it not only has to make sense for the character it has to make sense for me personally <laughs> yeah how do you feel about like the really lazily different, well how do you feel well okay I, I need your thoughts on those storylines where the character is redeemed or whatever, but the characters just accept that, like, even though they've done some pretty heinous things, they've, like, killed all these people or, like, poisoned the water well or whatever, and then they're like, oh, just kidding, I'm a good guy now. <laughs> and all the rest of the, the other characters are like, we accept you for who you are. Oh, dear. Oh, no. I hate it. <laughs> there needs to be some kind of redemption like they need to do something to atone for their actions 
if we're talking about like the most unbelievable of arcs, I'm going to go for the obvious that you see sometimes in kids shows. Like, I feel like that's what yeah. you're describing is like yeah. kids shows. No, like sort of the Care Bear stare level of plot <laughs> of redemption work is like something as simple as we defeated you. Will you stop doing bad things and be our friend now? And the villain does, and everyone is happy. Yeah. It's maybe a little bit better if somehow the evil villain was actually like, you know, an innocent person that's being controlled by a dark spirit, because then you just defeat the dark spirit and all that's left is the poor victim character that was maybe too selfish in a moment, like something like that. Mm-hmm. But that's yeah. more of a, like that works better as a story mechanic. That's more of an analogy for a redemption arc than an actual redemption arc. Yeah. That's true. Okay. But like, I also see this in romance novels where you have this like <laughs> bad boy, selfish, whatever. Oh, and then you get yes! to the end. And he's redeemed because he's hot and she loves him. And I'm just like, no, he still sucks. But but Kristen, have you considered that he's hot? <laughs> he's hot oh, though. I just, I can't. I can't with those stories. It's not a redemption arc if you don't do anything to get redeemed. Yes, thank you. Say, say that again for the people in the back. <laughs> also, just saying that you're going to be better now is also not enough. You need to actually do something. Yes, or like, oh my gosh, I feel bad saying this, but when a character who hasn't done anything to redeem themselves dies, and then it's like, oh, Oh. this character, (laughs) no, this character's good, and it's like, no, No. that's our way. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, can we also briefly talk about redemption arcs? that are not actually redemption arcs because it's just revealed that the character was like that all along. Oh my gosh. I I like those as stories, but they're not redemption arcs. They're not. Literally every article I read said like, Snape is the best redemption arc. I'm like, Snape isn't a redemption arc. No. (laughs) No. That's not even like the type that I was thinking of. I was thinking of the type of redemption arc where the character's actually like, like, I suppose I suppose Snape is in this category, but Snape was also a jerk. But like there's sometimes there's sometimes a character who's like the bad guy. And you think he's a bad guy, but he's only doing that for like because plot reasons. Like I'm thinking uh-huh. of I'm thinking of Mist and Fury again. Well, a Court of Thorns and Roses again. Oh. Where like you think that Reese is a bad guy. And it's like, oh, but he's actually not, because like he was like he had to do what Amarantha said because to protect his people's thing, things like that. And it's like, but we thought he was a bad guy. That's like, that's not a redemption arc. That character no. was just never actually a bad guy. Yes. Like, but yeah, no, Snape isn't a redemption arc because like he was a jerk and he was like kind of helping them the whole time. Also kind of not like he was just kind of bad at doing whichever right? thing. Everything he he was doing. He never stopped being a jerk. Like, he did a couple good things, but Uh they were for plot reasons. (laughs) And then his actual demeanor did not change. (laughs) It's true. Yeah, he only did those good things because Harry had the same color eyes as his mother. (laughs) Yes. Really pretty sad boys, man. I can't. Yeah, man. Okay, so a lot of examples of these redemption and corruption arcs, like you mentioned earlier, Kelly, exist in long-running media, like either TV shows, Mm -hmm. trilogies, comics, that sort of thing. Like, this format gives us more time to get get to know a character, so of course the turn hits us harder. Do you guys think it's possible to write a satisfying redemption or corruption arc in the space of one standalone movie or book? Yes. Yes. But in order to give it enough Ow. nuance, it usually has to be center stage. Like, we have yes. to watch it happen. Okay. Yeah. That's what I was mm-hmm. going to say. It, well, because, like, my fir- if we're talking redemption, my first thought was, like, a Christmas carol. Which, <laughs> that's that's one, what it's about, yeah. 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 <laughs> and that's, like, the whole point of it. Um, mm-hmm. Or, like, Despicable Me. Mm. Yep. 
<laughs> so yeah, if it's center stage, yeah, cool. Mm-hmm. Could it be a side character? Maybe they have to be really close to the center, though. Ooh. Usually, yeah, okay. like uh, the Dark Knight, like Harvey Dent, who becomes Two Face. Mm. Mm, yeah. yeah. So, like, but that's his whole point. Because you have to understand why he's becoming Two Face. Yeah. yeah. I right. I struggle with those types of things. Like that was a great corruption arc, but would it have worked without? The background knowledge of like Ooh. who these characters are. I think so. That does help it, but yeah. I think so based purely on the fact that I knew nothing about superheroes, like what who the superheroes were when I was watching that Batman movie, like as a kid. Because like I didn't know Two Face existed or anything like that. Okay. But, I might I might have also been like worse at evaluating plots and movies when I was a kid. <laughs> I mean, yes. <laughs> yeah, I would agree with that. You just need to see it happen. And I think with the right kind of characterization, yeah. it doesn't even need to take up that much space on the page. You just need that like very carefully placed characterization. That makes sense. Like that could you the seeds need to seeds of the arc need to be really strong though. Like if they're like a side character and you're like like you need to be almost guessing, like, oh, that person's going to betray them. Like mm. almost yeah. from from when you meet that character, even if they haven't done it yet. Like Yeah, that makes sense. Or you need some other kind of like indication i'm thinking now of the picture of dorian gray which i just now is I'm realizing is a corruption arc oh okay. <laughs> <Yes. But> like, <laughs> like dorian gray isn't really the main character of that book mm-hmm. he just kind of exists for other conversations to flow around him but since you have his painting that ages you're just like oh yeah i get this i understand it <laughs> so you need some kind of clue in the novel to like keep pace and to clue people in i think Mm -hmm. yeah i will say on the flip side of this i think a lot of redemption and corruption arcs and longer media tend to feel like filler Ah. because they're unnecessary and like often out of character and they're just used to add another season or like add another Mm. arc like plot arc and yeah. I can't with those. Or you get the characters who are just like corruption, redemption, corruption, redemption. Uh-huh. Looking at you, Loki. <laughs> uh-huh. Looking at you, Riverdale. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's always the the kind of like curse of long form media of oh, we need to. It, this is popular, so we get mm-hmm. like uh-huh. eight seasons instead of five, and now things are. Not Weird exactly. And bad and- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, yep. but if that's like the intention from the beginning is to make a character mm-hmm. experience a redemption or corruption arc, then Chef's Kiss. <laughs> yes, uh, Magneto is a great corruption mm-hmm. arc. Yeah. Yes. Sorry, now I'm just I'm looking at my bookshelf. Is Frankenstein <laughs> like Frankenstein's creature? Is that a corruption arc? Oh, gosh. I think it would be. Um, yeah, the creature goes through a corruption arc because when he comes into the world, he's basically innocent. He tries to yeah. he tries to integrate with some of the world. He almost does it. He gets rejected over and over again until he basically threatens Doctor Frankenstein to mm. make him make him a bride, so he's not alone anymore. Um, <laughs> so okay, that counts as corruption. I don't know about. Dr. Frankenstein himself because he's always oh, no. he's, he's just kind of, of like he's, he's I mean dumb. he's on a he's downward dumb. spiral I think <laughs> like he goes from like bad to worse but he's always like kind of gray and just here and not yeah. the best <laughs> yeah yep I I do not like Dr. Frankenstein no Hor- horrible person okay so getting specifically into corruption arcs I see this a lot in the recent-ish trend of villain origin stories. 
And I've mentioned this in episodes before, but I really don't like this sort of story because a lot of times it'll either weaken or humanize a villain that didn't ever need to exist as anything other than a villain. Or if the character has a redemption arc in the original story, then like a prequel arc will will weaken that. So Mm -hmm. like, what are your guys' thoughts on this general topic, specifically in terms of everything we've talked about with redemption and corruption arcs? I, okay, so first off, just kind of pulling from what Kristen was saying earlier about how if you're doing a villain origin story, like something from Disney, something from Star Wars, whatever, and there's a lot of material about Mm -hmm. that character, like you know that this character is going to be not that great later on. It's going to be a villain. It's going to do awful things. Um... It's harder for me to watch Corella DeVille, for example, mm. or watch mm. like some of these, especially like Disney villain stories, mm. and see their good natured like hope or whatever when they're a good guy, quote unquote, mm-hmm. and their arc to corruption and having that mirror or not having that mirror but having that um i i don't know if i fully believe that they become the character ah, that yes they yeah like that they'll eventually become because i'm like well this doesn't make any sense um Mm -hmm. this character was the queen of hearts for example and like (laughs) she's mad and she's you know like um not that great of a person. She doesn't listen to people. She's very like proud and like mm-hmm. commanding. But when you give me a character that is the opposite of those things, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, I don't like it so much, and I feel like I don't believe it. I'm just, I just mm-hmm. read the story, and in my mind, a lot of the times, if I want to read it and if it feels okay, and I can't do this always, but sometimes I'm like, hey, I have to accept that. This is not the story of the Queen of Hearts. This is not the story of mm-hmm. Captain Hook. Mm-hmm. This is a story yeah. of some other character. That's that's yeah. the thing, though. Like with Corella Deville, that movie they set her up to not be Corella Deville. Mm-hmm. Like right. at the end of the movie, they set up the expectation that she wasn't as evil as you thought she was in 101 Dalmatians, mm-hmm. which just makes 101 Dalmatians that much weaker. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm on, I have a similar experience. Like, I like the idea of getting a villain's backstory, but basically, a lot of the ones that we've been seeing don't fit with the established canon. Mm -hmm. Oh, like, sometimes I like them as standalone stories. Like, I enjoyed Maleficent. But I don't think of it as being in the same world as the classic Sleeping Beauty story. It's a retelling, a different version, not a true origin story. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, on the other hand, like, the movie Joker absolutely did set up the Joker to become the Joker. Mm -hmm. Uh And it was just depressing. Like, it it ends and you're like, oh, this man's life is terrible. (laughs) I mean, that's probably part of the difficulty with corruption arcs is like they usually are like we talked about earlier disappointing or like make you like uh, like when they are correct it's like they just make you sad kind of or frustrated yeah yeah or they have to end really quickly with a like quick redemption resolution (laughs) which is not always a bad thing like because i was thinking when you mentioned corella deville that the devil wears prada is pretty much a corruption arc for most of the movie (laughs) Mm. And then but at she the decides end, she doesn't like, want to oh, do this that. Is a bad time. Like, yeah. Uh-huh. And I think that's an acceptable way to do a corruption arc. Yeah, because it explored all of it. Most of what she was like, she was in a like a slow boiled frog kind of situation where she mm-hmm. kept leveling up what she would do to keep this job. And when she realized that that's what was happening, she stopped. Yeah. yeah. I do love those stories. <laughs> those but, are fascinating. Yeah. But see, like, that's not what... Um, sorry to, like, keep bringing up Disney. Please don't <laughs> hurt us, Disney. Um, yes. <laughs> but I feel like Disney, because their brand is, like, happy and joyful and, like, <laughs> characters yeah. that are true to themselves, 
um, they give us characters that are not villain material in the yeah. beginning mm-hmm. and still really aren't near the end. They're just like misunderstood or like, which isn't the point of a Disney villain mm-hmm. or I guess yeah. like any, I shouldn't just say Disney. It's more than that. Like more movies, more books kind of like <sighs> explore this where they're like, we want to mm-hmm. make this character um, relatable because that's the whole point of story. Mm-hmm. But then they lose that. Yeah. Yeah. I think you do have a point with calling out Disney specifically, though, where, like, Mm -hmm. I mean, it seems on the surface, like, oh, villains are cool. We should do a bunch of stories about villains. Whereas, like, that's actually very much not in keeping with the Disney brand. It puts them in a position where Mm -hmm. they either have to do make a retelling where the villain's actually, like, a good guy, or they have to make things that are, like, not very Disney-like movies where the ending <laughs> mm-hmm. is, like, corruption, yeah. disappointment, frustration, evil. <laughs> yeah, which would be amazing. That's kind <laughs> of... That would explain it. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Why does Cruella want to kill puppies? Like... <laughs> <laughs> that would not get a lot of five-year-olds in the theaters, though. <laughs> it might get yeah, the five-year-olds, five-year-olds but their parents might disagree. <laughs> No, you're not wrong. Oh my gosh. I think it is interesting talking about like the world you set up though, mm-hmm. because you can't really have redemption arcs or corruption arcs in a fully morally gray world. Mm, like, yeah. mm-hmm. you have a couple redemption and corruption arcs in Game of Thrones, but uh-huh. like mostly they're just complicated people who die before they do the next thing. <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, and it's, it is difficult to parse with a lot of them, whether they're, like, corrupt or not, basically, because you're just looking at them living in a very, like, very unideal circumstances. Mm -hmm. Right. And, like, Disney, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, the question is, like, can you play the game well enough, the Game (laughs) of Thrones? (laughs) Yeah. And, like, Disney has a very black and white world, like you were saying, like you both were saying, which is great for redemption and corruption arcs, but they never actually commit to the corruption arcs. Yeah. And so you end up with a lot of redemption arcs stacked on top of each other that don't quite make a full story. (laughs) Yeah. Any other thoughts on how to write this trope well? Or I guess these tropes, because they're technically different-ish. I mean, they hinge on motivation, like I was saying Mm -hmm. earlier. Like, what's the thing the character cares about, and how does that drive them to become whatever thing they become? Yeah, taking that a step farther, like, these are very character-driven tropes. You cannot (laughs) write these tropes in a very plot-driven story. It's just not going to work well. Yes. And and to kind of, like, further that it's like not only do you need to know your char- your main character the character that you're trying to like write that arc for but then also um i had mentioned it briefly before but having other characters acknowledge that the character mm-hmm. is redeemed for instance mm-hmm. if it's a redemption yeah. arc like that has to feel true and yeah. understanding your characters and what they see in that redeemed character like for instance back to Zuko um (laughs) depending on the character they had different ways of or they had different times time frames for accepting him like Mm -hmm. Aang was like of course because that's (laughs) Aang like immediately and then Mm -hmm. Katara is just like no I you know Uh you hurt my friend you tried to kill all of us uh-huh. I'm gonna need some time, uh-huh. and it's like well, she was open to it too earlier. Yeah, and she's like, yeah, she she was like, you've betrayed us before, like because they had mm-hmm. a heart to heart in that crystal cave or yeah. whatever, <laughs> and then he like still sided with his sister, like <laughs> I, right, mm. and so she remembered that, and like uh-huh. Aang was just like, okay, yeah, you shot me, like your sister shot me with like some lightning, 
Um, and then you also betrayed me multiple times. You've hunted me down, but he's just kind of like, hey, I'm forgiving and like, it's fine, buddy. Come on. And Katara's uh-huh. like, no, I remember what you did. Uh-huh. And so yes. it like makes sense for the characters. That is a thing you have to watch with these tropes is a lot of times I've seen like the redemptive or corruptive actions take place while like the character in the arc is alone. Mm-hmm. And so then when other people find out about it, you either have to rehash it, which gets irritating <laughs> or like you have them accept it by like rehashing it off screen, which doesn't quite feel real. So you mm-hmm. have to really balance how much your other characters see and like how much mm-hmm. you're going to talk about the same things over and over. Yeah. Yeah. This isn't really writing advice, but we haven't talked about Steve Harrington yet. And I just wanted to shout out that that is a fantastic redemption arc. That is. <laughs> I I will say, like, I had no idea. No. I remember watching Stranger Things for the first time, season one, and I was like, Steve Harrington. Oh, this guy is ridiculous. <laughs> Would she just go away? And then by the end of it, and like yes. into later seasons, I was like, yeah, I just want more Steve. I just want yep. more uh, mm-hmm. Steve being a mom or a babysitter. <laughs> Which, uh-huh. like, if I'm remembering correctly, I think part of that redemption arc came about because he was a fan favorite. And, like, uh-huh. I'm, I'm okay with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I think... I I could be wrong. I think they meant to redeem him a little, but, like, the more people loved him, the more they yeah. were like, yeah, okay. They went... They, they got in behind it. Like, uh-huh. yeah. Well, yeah, they leaned into the, <laughs> he's going to be the babysitter of these yeah. kids and he's going to actually yeah. be friends with them and it's going to be glorious. How many yes. children are you friends with? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that definitely happened after the fan base was blowing up about uh-huh. him. Like they redeemed oh, yeah. him in season two and then everyone was like, oh my gosh, Steve Harrington. So they just <laughs> ran with it for the next season. Yep. Uh-huh. All right. <laughs> There's a question. Other than Zuko, what are your favorite redemption arcs? And what do they do well? Gosh, I feel like it's been a while since I've seen such things. Yeah. I'm trying to think of a good one. I, while you guys think, another one of my favorites is Don Kiefer from the newsroom, which both of you two need to watch. <laughs> that is like hands down the best redemption arc I've ever seen. Ooh, redemption arc, you say? Okay. Yeah, it's like, it's pretty much the same arc as Steve Harrington, where in the beginning you're like, oh my gosh, I hate this guy, he's the worst. And then, like, (laughs) you see him grow and, like, make choices and make better choices, and by the end you're like, oh my gosh, I love him. (laughs) Right? (laughs) This wasn't, isn't exactly a favorite character, but I do think it's a pretty well done, like, kind of realistic one, is um, in Ted Lasso, you have Rebecca. Yes, because at the beginning she's set up to be like you know your typical like mwahaha evil (laughs) boss going to sabotage your efforts kind of things and then Mm -hmm. she eventually Mm -hmm. is like she just can't do it anymore because she's like because like ted is too much of a good guy (laughs) and genuinely trying to make this work and genuinely helping her and all these other things yes (laughs) yeah all of these to mind that like we need to see these characters make choices mm-hmm. like yeah. a key part of these arcs is you have to see them struggle with a decision and then mm-hmm. choose to either do good or do bad depending on yeah. what your arc is yeah. and then see the consequences of that and then see them struggle with the next decision uh-huh. oh yes that's true like you need that inner struggle um Mm -hmm. expressed in some way because oh okay i have one oh um okay i might have mentioned this maybe i'm misremembering but i might have mentioned this before um one of my favorite video games of all time is kingdom hearts Mm -hmm. and uh which is a very like it has so many games so like Mm -hmm. there's a long stretch of time in which a character can have a redemption arc or corruption Mm -hmm. arc and it's (laughs) great if it's like intentional but mm-hmm. um, the character I'm thinking of is Riku, which in the first game, he starts off as an a-hole and he's like <laughs> awful to his best friend. And he's like kind of 
there's some je- like jealousy issues going on there and some like mm-hmm. he doesn't feel like he's strong enough and blah 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 mm-hmm. and so you see that inner struggle while also seeing that he's do he's making these awful choices and he's betraying his <laughs> friend and he's like whatever and then near the end he starts to see that the people that he's aligned with are not all that great one of them being maleficent mm. <laughs> oddly <laughs> enough it, it all comes around <laughs> and so he <laughs> can maintain that like kingdom hearts is just <laughs> is just wild <laughs> yeah super wild and super dark for like something part of it is it under like be a disney, disney like <laughs> <laughs> shouldn't but like but as you go along like this character at the very end re- well there's time for this person to like reconsider and struggle with their decision. And he realizes he was in the wrong. He helps his, you know, the main character. Second game is amazing because then you see kind of like that struggle. Like I was wrong. I'm awful. I'm an awful, awful person. I need to like redeem myself and goes through all this crap and his friend is just like i accept you for everything you are what are you talking about and he's just over there like moody broody sad boy but it's fine having a crisis about it because <laughs> right and I'm like a bad person yeah exactly mm-hmm. and so and then the third game it's more of like he's actually taking wins and he he feels more confident in himself and he protects his friends and it's just like watching that arc over a long period of time is just beautiful, like beautifully done and done in such a way where it's everything you guys were outlining. It's like on -hmm. the screen, you see he has moments where he literally struggles with, um, Mm -hmm. you know, the darkness and straight of it, literally (laughs) not figuratively. Of course, literally. Of course. (laughs) And um, yeah, it's just so well done that, it's like all of those things. And I think having characters like his friends who've been with him mm-hmm. since the beginning, who've seen the change and then told him like the opposite of what he's struggling with and what he's thinking. Like, yes, mm-hmm. we know you've done bad things, but mm-hmm. you're trying. Uh-huh. is beautiful. Hmm. That is a good point. You need something to like contrast these characters against. Mm. Like it doesn't necessarily have to be a foil, but like just mm-hmm. someone along the ride who knew them before and knew them after and just mm-hmm. yeah so you can kind of see it happen mm-hmm. yeah wait we're friends with that guy now what are you doing <laughs> <laughs> which also foils are a great way to do this too if you like mm-hmm. start two people off on the same path and then one of them takes an arc and the other doesn't mm-hmm. it's very very interesting yes As a last piece of writing advice, I do want to reiterate that you can't just redeem a character because you want to end something. Like, (laughs) you need to set it up. It needs to make sense. I can stop redeeming bad men in romance books just because they're hot. Yeah, please. And that's our episode. Listeners, what are your thoughts on redemption arcs and corruption arcs? Have any tropes that you want to hear us cover? Email us at trope or not to trope at gmail.com and let us know. We'll be back in two weeks with another trope. Thanks for listening to To Trope or Not to Trope and happy writing.